welcome to Starkville Church of God. This is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you, strengthens you, and fills you with God's love so you can share with others. Enjoy the message. Whenever your life is embracing or a storm is embracing and enveloping you, it's tough to be steady in a storm. When you look at a storm and it looks bad, when you look at a storm and it looks tough, but yet you still resolve to remain steady in the midst of that storm is a phenomenal testimony. And I want to tell you tonight to somebody, myself included, is that the reason that there's storms in the first place is you're closer to there than you've ever been before. Somebody say, I'm closer. And in order to get there, you got to be able to steady. In order to get to the other side, you got to be able to be steady in the storm. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to get together in the house of the Lord. Thank you, God, for such phenomenal worship. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity just to partake of communion tonight together as a body. Lord, to draw closer to you, to commune with you and one another, and remember your death. Remember your body. Remember what you did for us, God. Lord, we pray tonight as we uh, turn our attention to the Word of God, the anointing of the Spirit would just be present. Fall fresh on us, we ask tonight, Holy Spirit, Lord. Lord, I know that doubtlessly there are people that's in this place in storms. There are people that are going to be in a storm soon. There are people coming out of storms. And God, just speak to us tonight about how we can be steady in the storm. And we give you thanks for that. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. I, I went a couple of trips to uh, Peru uh, along the Amazon River, the Amazon jungle. Kind of a funny little story between uh, Pastor Dennis and some other friends of ours. We tell about Peru and the Amazon River, but I'll have to share that another time. But uh, the Amazon River is full of adventures. And I remember normally we would go with the missionary, and he had his own boat the first couple of trips. But the last trip that we took, he, his boat had had some issues, and so we were using the public speedboat. And so we got there to the port city of Pacalpa, and we got on the public speedboat that was ran by the government. And so it had a little bit of different rules and regulations than uh, the missionaries' boat had. So we get on, and we get buckled in. It's much like an airplane, airplane seats on the boat, uh, different things going on. So the captain stands up, and he begins to give us instructions of what to do if the boat capsized. Well, number one, you don't even want to start thinking about that, right? What to do in this mighty raging river if the boat seems to sink or have an issue? So he points out our life jackets at this point in time. We have them on. Most of us are going to take them off. Where to put them at so we can easily grab them. He points out the exits. If the problem's in the back, exit right here. If the problem's in the front, exit back there. He points out the fire extinguishers if there's a fire on the bus. A lot like the stewardess on an airplane does. If you've ever rode an airplane and they begin to give the instructions. And, uh, you know, I begin to think about this in, the, in this moment in time. What if this ship does sink, right? We're in one of the largest rivers in the world, the second largest river in the world. And it's wider than the Mississippi River at its point by up to 39 miles in the wet season. So that's a really large river. 
And I began to think about how amazing it was that they were prepared for all types of situations before they even happened. Anything that might come along the way that they knew to plan for, they had had guidance for and planned for. Because they wanted us to make it to our destination at all costs, and they wanted us to make it alive. Amen? How many ever got on the plane or on a boat or something, and you're like, I just want to get there alive, right? I don't want to have any trouble. I don't want to have any problems. I just want to make it there alive. And I began to think about, isn't it amazing in our own lives, in this own generation in which you and I live, that we are so prepared for so many things, for a multitude of things to happen. We're prepared if this goes wrong in our life. We're prepared if, if uh, financial collapse happened. Maybe we've got a little bit set back. We're prepared if the tire goes out. We've got an extra tire, a spare tire. We're prepared for all of these things, multitude of scenarios, but yet we live in the most anxious generation ever. We're prepared, but we still have so much overwhelming us and so much overcoming us and so much stressing us out and so much causing people depression and so much causing people anxiety and leading them to the brink of where they just feel like they cannot go on anymore. But the thing about it is, brothers and sisters, is that most situations start out calm. The journey in which we're talking about tonight in Luke chapter 8, it started out calm. The flight uh, that Darren Harrelson was on, it started out fine. It was good during takeoff. The launch in Luke 8 was good during the beginning of it. Everything was going on. Our voyage on the Amazon started good, and thank God it ended good. Amen? But the text here in Luke 8 says one day. Somebody say one day. It was a normal day. Just any old day. Nothing special about it. One day. And I've come to understand that it's in those one days, those ordinary days, when storms come. It doesn't have to be a monumental day. It doesn't have to be a victorious day. It doesn't have to be a, a defeated day. It can just be one day. It can just be a normal day that all of a sudden your life's trajectory can be rearranged by what begins to happen to you or what begins to take place where you are. Jesus comes to them. This is just an ordinary day with him. And he said, let's go somewhere. It's ordinary because they were used to traveling places with Jesus. And so he says, let's go somewhere. Where are we going, Jesus? We're going to the other side of the lake. So they get in the boat and they begin going to the other side of the lake. I've learned that quite often Jesus will give instructions about leaving point A and going to point B, but he gives very little detail about what happens in between, right? We know God is a God of details, but so often we look at our own lives and we wonder, God, where is the God of details at for me? Where is the God of details out in my life? And on the way, the thing about it is, is that God doesn't want us to know the details because if we knew the details, it would scare us from even going on the trip or the voyage or the journey or the adventure in the first place. And there are things that will happen from point A to point B that will scare you, much like Darren, that will happen along the way. The pilot will pass out, and you'll be in air, unable to fly the plane, and what a terrifying experience you'll be begin to say, you'll put on the headset and get the microphone and begin to say, help, help, help. I don't know how to fly this plane. 
Help, Jesus. The storm is trying to overtake me, and I have no barometer by which to respond. Things happen along the way from point A to point B that were not planned, but we must understand that the storm takes not the master by surprise. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that he knows before we ever begin, amen, what's going to happen? You see, it's not the takeoff that's the problem normally. It's not the launch that's the problem normally. It's not the honeymoon period, is it? Married couples, y'all say amen. That's the problem normally. It's not the baby. That's the problem. They're cute. Babies, they're just cute. They're, they're, they're nothing wrong with babies. It's, they're not the problem. It's when they grow up, right? It's not the beginning of the job. That's not the problem. It's an exciting time. It's not the beginning of the venture. It's not the beginning of the ministry. It's not the beginning of the pastorate. It's not the beginning of joining the church. That's the problem. No, it's the middle that matters. It's the middle that begins to kind of bring some things along in your life. And you begin to learn things about life. You begin to learn things about God. You begin to learn things about me. You begin to learn things about yourself, about obedience, about perseverance that only the storm can teach you. You begin to learn some things that a podcast, listening to it, won't be able to help you understand. You can listen to a podcast all day long, but until it happens to you, you don't know how to handle it until it happens to you. You can listen to somebody else tell you how to navigate grief, how to go through grief, but you don't know how to navigate grief till somebody you love dies. And you're left walking through life trying to make sense of this journey without that person that you love. You begin to wonder, how do I navigate this? So suddenly we find ourselves from the launch, from the takeoff, on the way to there, wherever there is that God is leading us, wherever there is that Jesus has instructed us to go. And much like the disciples in life, a storm blows up. But I want to tell you that God knows. The same God that predestined you to go from point A to point B, the same God that gave you the instructions to go there, to go to the other side, to take a step of faith, that same God that preordained that moment in your life, He already knows. He knows it was going to happen. He's got the fix. He's got the solution. He's got the problem that's there. He already knows, and He has made provision for the promise. Hallelujah. He has made provision, His power to help see you through from point A to point B. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for a God like that. Amen. He's the end and the beginning. He knows. So if he says launch out, you can trust him. If he says launch out into the deep and cast your net on the other side, then you can trust that when I do cast my net on the other side, much like the disciples, I'll pull in a catch that I cannot contain by myself because that is just who he is. That's the kind of God that he is. And so in the process of getting from point A to B in the middle, storms begin to arise in our lives. Storms begin to arise in our marriage. Storms begin to arise raising children, raising grandchildren, beginning a job. And, and following through on that job six months in, a year in, storms begin to happen. I once knew somebody that said they wanted to write a book on marriage. Well, that's not bad, right? Issue was, though, they'd only been married three years. You can't write a book on marriage having only been married three years. 
Because you hadn't gone through some things. It wasn't a bad desire, but they just hadn't given it much thought because they hadn't gone through much yet, being married three years. You don't, you don't really find out who you're married to three years in, do you, married folks? Come on, some of y'all talk to me that's been married 30, 40, 50 years. You don't find out who you've been married, who you're married to, till till you're there for a, a little while, until you face some storms together and overcome some things together. You don't understand what that's like till you get into the storm and you learn who you've got. You, you don't understand if you made a good choice or if she made a good choice in picking the spouse until you get in the middle of the storm and you learn that they're not going to ju- jump ship, they're not going to abandon this thing, they're going to ride it out through there with you. Then you know you made a good choice amen whenever a employer is handed a resume man those resumes always look good don't they those resumes look good give you the degree give you the accolades give you the experiences give you the resume looks great the interview goes great the first few months they're they're impeccable at their job they're flawless at what they do but you don't know what kind of employee you've got until the crisis comes at work crunch times comes and you need them to stay from uh, later than five you need them to stay till six and you don't know whether or not they're in it with you until you get to that point in time and then you really find out what kind of employee you got You don't know until the crisis comes. One thing I can guarantee, brothers and sisters, is that many of us in the room, if not all of us already, can testify we will face a storm. Amen. Life is going to throw our way a storm. I once heard somebody say it like this. You're either in a storm, coming out of a storm, or heading into a storm. Well, that's real encouraging. What about the calm that the Bible's talking about here in Luke 8? Well, there is a calm, but it's normally for another storm. Storms are built into God's plan for getting you to where he wants you to go in life. They're built into it. You you have to know, though, that God has equipped you with the tools necessary to survive the storm. You've got to know, just like that captain told us on the boat, you've got to know that you've got a life jacket. You've got to know that there's fire extinguishers on board. You've got to know that there's exit doors. And if something goes wrong, you've got the necessary tools and equipment to survive the storm because God has equipped you to do so. But the problem is that whenever you get in the middle of the storm, the storm becomes disruptive. And you lose your bearing of time and you lose your bearing on the exits and you lose your bearing on where's my life jacket I thought I had it right here and you lose your bearing on where the fire extinguisher is and the, the, the cacophony of noise just begins to fill your ears and you don't know where to turn left, right, north, south, sit, stand, walk, swim. You don't know exactly what to do because the storm is disruptive and so many people are shouting about how to navigate the storm, horse the sail, drop the anchor, turn the rudder let go of the wheel so many peoples begin to talk about what you should do and how you should navigate the storm to where you just don't know what to do have you ever been there in the middle of a storm not knowing where to go see the first thing we must know about the storm though is that we can't fix it somebody say i can't fix the storm the storm is not yours to fix The storm is yours to survive. Brothers and sisters, we are natural fixers. 
men more than women in my observation, not giving any shade to women, but men in my observation are, are more natural fixtures. Maybe it's because we grow up and we watch in our dads, right, or the men in our lives learn how to fix stuff and they give us a screwdriver or a hammer or whatever else to play around with the little blocks as toddlers. And so men are just used to fixing things. We're, we're naturally fixers. Girls got, and ladies, they, they play with Barbie dolls and they learn more about relationships. Maybe us men should learn more about some relationships sometimes, right? <laughs> Not saying play with Barbie dolls or nothing like that. But men are fixers, and there are some women that are fixers and, and step in there. But what we must understand is that we cannot fix the storms of life. And that the storms of life were never meant for us to fix. They were meant for us to survive. You see, why we want to try to fix it is we feel like failures if we can't fix it. We feel like failures if we're not able to cause the storm to die down. If we're not able to let the storm not get to us. If we're not able to let the storm just cause us to just be able to steal right through the middle of it. We feel like that we're a failure. But let me release you of something tonight. That you are not a failure just because... Because you cannot fix the storm. Why? Because the storm is not your fault. Hallelujah. Somebody say, the storm ain't my fault. You see, the disciples didn't purposefully steer in the direction of the storm. They did not do anything to cause the storm to blow up. They didn't do something to deserve it. The devil will get in your ear and tell you that you're the cause of this. You're the cause of what's happening in your marriage. You're the cause of what's happening in your job. You're the cause of what's happening in your family. But many times, brothers and sisters, you are not the cause of but it is not your fault. It's a part of life. It's just a part of living. It's a part of going from point A to point B. Why does he do that though? He does it because he's the accuser of the brethren. Amen. And he wants to get us discouraged. He wants to get us doubting the journey in the first place. He wants to get in our head, through our ears, through discouragement, through all of these things. But what we must understand is that storms are just a part of living in a broken world, in a sinful society. Storms are going to happen. They are going to take place. It is just part of it. And so when they set sail, the Bible says that all is calm. And because all is calm, Jesus goes to sleep. I remember reading this story in Sunday school. And maybe you have read it in Sunday school or Bible study or something like this. Jesus goes to sleep. I, I grew up in Sunday school where they had the green felt board. What they call that, Dennis? Flannel graph. Yeah. I can't remember. Flannel board. And, and they put the little sticky up on the board. Y'all remember that? They put a little sticky up on the board and they moved it a little bit to make it look like the waves was moving. Jesus was down to sleep in the boat and all, all those fun little things. And I remember this story from, from Sunday school and Jesus sleeping in the boat. And why is Jesus asleep? Why does somebody sleep? Well, naturally somebody sleeps because they're tired, right? Jesus was sleeping not because he didn't like the disciples, but because he was tired. He was tired because he had been doing the work of the Father and he needed to rest because this is an important trip that they're on in Luke chapter 8 because they're headed somewhere. It's a prophetic trip. You see, this trip is getting the gospel to the Gentiles. They're going to sail to the Decapolis, the other side, and they're going to find a man that's possessed by a legion of devils and Jesus is going to set him free and the man is going to want to follow Jesus, but Jesus is going to tell him, no, go back to your home, go back to your people. 
people and spread the gospel throughout this Decapolis. You see, this trip was more than just about setting a demon-possessed man free. This trip was about the gospel going to ten cities around the region. It was an important trip. And bam, a storm blows up. You know, storms don't come with a warning alert most of the time, right? How many of y'all got that alert on your phone today at 118 CST? They said it was going to be 220 EST for us, 120, but I'm riding down the road and get a little jolt because I hear something, beep, right? So I'll pick it up. I think it was probably about the time I was at Scuba, Scooby, however you say it, Scooby Dooby Doo, I don't know. Pick it up and look at it. And it tells me that this is a warning by the federal government, whatever, trying to prepare you if something ever does happen. And the truth of the matter is if something ever does happen, they're not going to let us know till it's happening. So why even do this in the first place? If something happens in life, they're not going to let you know. The devil's not going to let you know, hey, I'm about to send something your way. Storms come with very little warning. They just blow up suddenly. They just come and begin to take over. And the thing about it is, is you don't get to pick the storm that you face. So many people are going through so many different storms in this society, in this day and age in which we live in. They're going through storms in their health. The disciples didn't get to pick and say, I want leukemia instead of uh, diabetes. No, you, you don't get to pick the storm you face. You don't get to pick if you lose your leg or you lose your eyesight. You don't get to pick that. You don't get to pick if you lose your family or you lose your job. You don't get to pick that. You don't get to pick the storms that you face. It just happens, and whenever it does, it takes over, and it begins to overwhelm the point in time of where you are, and it begins to get you out of a place of being in control. The second thing the storm does is it reminds us that we are not in control. None of y'all shouted right there on that. You know why? Because we are control fanatics. Myself included sometimes. We like to be in control. We hate being out of control. And when you're in a storm, your mind is out of control. And the only thing that your nature is keened in on is not which direction I'm going to end up going out of this thing, but just surviving it, just surviving the storm. Because storms come not whenever you're at your most highest place. They don't come when you're full of energy. Storms come when you're already tired. You see, Jesus was already tired. And if Jesus was tired, the disciples were tired too because they had been wherever he had been. They were there with him. They had went the journey with him every step of the way. And so everybody on that boat in the middle of that sea was tired. And isn't it just like the devil to hit you right in the middle of the face whenever you're already tired, when you're ready to throw in the towel, when you're ready to give it up, when you're ready to never do it again, when you're ready just to quit and never talk to that person or never work on that relationship or never try to reconcile that thing. Storms come when you're already tired. I came tonight to talk to somebody that was tired before the storm started. 
I came to talk tonight to somebody that was already worn out, that was already overwhelmed before you even got into this place that you're in in your life. The enemy waits till you're tired. He waits till you're burned out. He waits till you're stressed. He waits till you're depressed. He waits till you're exhausted. And then he unleashes the storm on your life because he wants to take you out. He didn't want you getting to the other side, but there's good news. Somebody say there's good news. Because the first verse I read to you tonight, verse 22 said, Now it came to pass. That tells me that before the storm ever started, it was going to pass. Hallelujah. Before the storm ever began, it already had an expiration date. You see, every storm that has ever hit this world, this planet, they always come to pass. I live in Picayune, so we're 40 miles from New Orleans. So we hear stories, not only from Picayune, Biloxi, Gulfport of Katrina, but we hear major stories from New Orleans because Katrina pushed the people of New Orleans and Chalmette pretty much into Picayune and Slidell. And so we hear stories. And, and a terrible story that I heard once was, uh, I asked them, you know, we, we heard the media talking about alligators eating people in the streets, right? I asked them if that was true. They said, no, nah, that wasn't true. I said, well, praise God. But there was a story that I was told of, of a father in New Orleans whose house was filling up with water and he had a child. He wasn't able to get out. And so he lifted the baby up above the water trying to make sure that the baby didn't drown. And in the midst of doing so, a dresser pinned him against the wall. And so he hoisted the baby up higher out of the water to make sure that he didn't drown. And unfortunately, they, when they found him, they found both the dad and the baby passed away. But he was trying to survive. He was trying to help that baby live, trying to just make it through this storm with survival because that is our natural instinct. That is our nature. But can I tell you that Katrina ain't still down there today. It came to pass. It killed hundreds, maybe thousands of people, destroyed homes, destroyed lives, took the coast forever to recover from, but it came to pass. Those tornadoes that's running down Tornado Alley these days, that is Highway 82 and not Oklahoma anymore, come on somebody. They come to pass. They don't stay forever, whether it's EF4, whether it's EF5. They, they give them so many names nowadays, Hurricane Katrina, Hurricane Ira, Hurricane Ida. And then when they run out of names, they start calling Hurricane Zozo, Hurricane Bobo. They give them so many kind of different, whatever their names is, it doesn't really matter. They come to pass. They're, they don't come to stay. They come to pass. And that's good news that every storm that ever comes is on its way out as soon as it comes in. But how many times do we think when we're there in the middle of it that this one is going to be the one? This one's going to be the one that takes me out. This one's going to be the one that takes me under. How many times do we like Fred Sanford and we clutch our chest and we say, oh, this is the said that there's a handprint on our chest. Thinking, oh, this is the big one. This is going to be the one, Agnes. That takes me out. But yet normally five years later, we don't even remember the details of it. 
Normally five years later, we, we can't even remember. But in the moment, in the moment, we think it's going to overwhelm us. It's going to overtake us. The disciples were experienced fishermen. They were sailors. They had been on this sea all their life. They had experienced storms in the Sea of Galilee before. And yet they were afraid. They were scared because they thought the storm was it. They thought this was the one that was going to take them out. And so they wake Jesus up because Jesus is sleeping. He's in the stern of the boat and they wake him up. And the first thing Jesus does is not get wide-eyed and bushy-tailed. The first thing Jesus does is not freak out like they do. The first thing that Jesus does is not tap them on the shoulder. Oh, it's going to be okay, y'all. The first thing he does is rebukes them. Why? If I'd have been the disciples, that would have made me a little mad. Just being honest with you. Jesus or not, he rebukes them. Jesus, you was asleep and you're rebuking me. You were asleep and you're rebuking me for being, I've been the one in this storm. I've been the one trying to navigate. Have you ever been there thinking, where are you, Lord? Where are you in the midst of this thing that I'm going through? And then when you call on him, you feel maybe a little conviction about your lack of faith. And you're thinking, I've been the one down here in the middle of this thing. Where are you, Jesus? Where are you in the midst of this storm? Why are you sleeping? But he rebukes them. He rebukes them. Why are you rebuking us? Can I tell you why I rebuke them? Because they forgot the power of his presence. They forgot about the power of his presence. They had become addicted to his, the power of his performance and had forgotten about just the simple power of his presence. And that what we do, we get so addicted to the way that he works through us. We get so addicted to the way that he shows up. We get so addicted to the miracles he performs, to the way that he performs and makes a way where there seems to be no way time and time again that we forget that if Jesus is on the boat, that's all I need to know, hallelujah, that if he's there with me, it doesn't matter how he performs. It doesn't matter how I get out of this thing. All I need to know is that the presence of the Savior is on the boat with me. And if he's on this boat, then I'm coming out because he is with me. Hallelujah. Somebody shout amen tonight. As long as Jesus is on the boat, it's going to be all right. As long as he's there, no water can swallow. There's an there's a old hymn that I've drawn strength from this week, or this season of life I'm living in. I shared it with your pastor. But there's an old hymn that says, Master, the tempest is raging. And I love a passage of that song. It says, No water can swallow the ship where he lies. For the master of ocean and earth and sky, it'll all quickly obey his will when he says, Peace, be still. Hallelujah. The presence of the Savior on your ship, brother or sister, is enough. It doesn't matter how he performs. Just rest that he is there with you. Just rest that the presence of God is enough to take you through anything. You can lose stuff. You can lose the sail. You can lose the rudder. You can lose the vast. You can lose the wheel. But don't lose his presence. You can lose it all, but don't lose him. Because if you've got him, hallelujah, you've got all you need to get to where you're going, hallelujah. If you've got Jesus, you've got all you need to make it to the other side. If you've got Jesus, even if the does, boat does capsize, then maybe you're going to walk on water with him like Peter did. If you got Jesus and it drags you down to the bottom, know that he's going to do something like you see on TV and give you a little air bubble to breathe till you get back up. If you got Jesus, it's all going to be 
all right. Somebody say it's going to be all right. So God allows this storm to change their perspective of the Savior. Not to be so caught up in how he performs anymore, but just be resting in the power of his presence. You know, God allows storms in our lives to give you and I a unique perspective and experience that we would not have had otherwise had we never endured that storm. The storm you're facing is unique to you. The storm you're facing is unique to your family. And had you never gone through it, you would not have ever learned a piece and a part of God that you are now understanding, that you are now experiencing. You wouldn't know him in a way like some others don't and are not able to know him had you not went through that storm. You see, we want an uncommon anointing, but we don't want an uncommon storm. We want an uncommon influence, but we don't want an uncommon storm. We want an uncanny power, but we don't want an uncanny storm. You don't get to the other side, though, to be able to do what God's calling you to do without the storm. You don't get an anointing without the crushing of that thing that brings it out. And so when you're in a storm, if you're in a storm tonight, know this. This is not the time to faint. This is not the time to give up. This is not the time to die. This is not the time to throw in the child. This is the time to be steady in the storm steady in the storm Jesus sleeping was intentional it was an intentional sleep he was sleeping on purpose because this was a test like that alarm today I referenced earlier this was a test like that test the pilot faced this was a test it was a test of steadiness you've got to be steady to be able to know I don't know how to land this plane but I'm going to get on this microphone and I'm going to say hey somebody needs to help me because I don't know how to fly and the pilot is not here with me to help me get there you got to be steady to navigate a situation like that you got to be steady to have never landed a plane before and to land it and it stop and not roll over to the left or the right or erupt in a ball of flames. You, you got to be steady in the storm. You got to be steady. This was a test of steadiness. The storm was a test. I want you to hear me now. In a controlled environment. Who was in control? Y'all help me out. God was in control. Jesus was in control. This storm was a test in a controlled environment to prepare them for what he wanted to do in their life. This is what I'm beginning to understand, brothers and sisters. In front of every major move of God, there is some form of an attack or some form of a storm or some form of opposition in mind in your life, some form of a challenge, some form of a test. You see, when David ran into Goliath, David was running into his destiny. When you run into your Goliath you're coming into your kingdom Goliath was not meant to kill you Goliath was sent to introduce you to the king to get you to where you needed to go in the first place it's a test it's a setup for what God is doing wanting to show you in your life it is you men we must understand in control by God Almighty and when David stood before Goliath a shepherd boy Goliath drew out of David a king. When David stood before Goliath, just a ruddy, red-faced boy, Goliath drew out of David a worshiping warrior. 
See, sometimes it takes a storm. Sometimes it takes Goliath to stand in front of us. And the reason that you're going through what you're going through, the reason that you're going through the storm that God allowed it to happen is that God is using the storm as a stage for his anointing to rest upon and for his glory to be shouted from the rooftops. The storm is a stage to show and remind everybody that knows you and your life and your situation and your circumstance that God is good and he's not going to let you down hallelujah he's not going to let you be overwhelmed and overcome because he's a good God so the storm came as an assignment because this was an important trip as I said a while ago and Jesus never allows things of opposition tests challenges to come against us if he doesn't have a great assignment on the other side the greater the assignment the greater the storm. So that means if you're enduring a storm like you've never endured before, then you must be fixing to be given an assignment like you must have never been given before. You must be fixing to be given influence or, or some opportunity from God Almighty like you've never been given before. If God trusts you with that kind of level of trouble, then you got to be somebody. The storm didn't just fall on anybody. The storm didn't fall on the other side of Galilee. It didn't fall in Jerusalem. The storm fails precisely where Jesus and his disciples were because they were on a mission. They were on an assignment. I dare you to look at your spouse or your children or whoever you sit next to and say, I'm somebody. I'm somebody because I'm going through a storm. I'm somebody because I'm facing this thing. I'm somebody because I'm in the middle. The devil wouldn't attack me if I wasn't somebody. The devil wouldn't taunt me if I was not somebody. He wouldn't visit me if my dreams if I wasn't somebody. He wouldn't come against me with depression and suicidal thoughts if I wasn't somebody. I wish somebody would help me tonight. If you've ever been in the midst of that, and you must understand that God has a purpose for it. Yet, knowing all this, they failed to be steady in the storm. But it was good that they did. And I'm quickly coming to a close. See, I've been there, and I'm pretty sure you've been there. I've been in the place of a storm where I wasn't able to be steady. I couldn't hold up under the pressure. I couldn't hold up under the attack. I couldn't hold up under the wind and the waves that were beating against the ship. And so I did and you did what these disciples do. We called on Jesus. Hallelujah. Y'all remember that old song, Jesus on the main line? What? Tell him what you want. He's shaking his head. No, we need to teach it to him. Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. Y'all know the bridge of it. It said, call him up, call him up, tell him what you want. Come on, call him up, call him up, tell him what you want. Another part of it I love, it says, his line ain't never busy. Tell him what you want. Come on, his line ain't never busy. So tell him what you want. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you that even if it seems Jesus is asleep, the moment that you call, he is there. The moment that you begin to call on him, he is there to help you. He is an ever-present help in our time of need. Hallelujah. And so I've been there where I had to call on Jesus, where I could not navigate the storm. And what a wonderful thing I've learned about God is God allows us to fail. God allows us to fail. When Jesus stood before Peter and told him, Peter, you're going to let me down. 
you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows in the morning time. I feel like Peter probably took that as Jesus saying, Peter, I hope you fail. And maybe that's what Jesus was meaning. Because had Peter never failed, he'd have never found the love of Jesus on the seashore. Where he called out, come and dine. The master calleth, come and dine. He'd have never found the love of Jesus that said, Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my lambs. See, it wasn't until he went through a failure of his own ability that he was reminded of his need for Jesus. And it's not till we go through a failure of some sort that we're reminded that we need him. We can't do this without him. We can't navigate anything without him. And so I hope that we all experience a failure and a storm so we're reminded that Jesus is in the ship for more than just a little token item for us to carry with us, more than just a cross to hold around our neck. He's more than just an emblem to put on our car. He's with us in the storm for us to call on when everything else has failed, when nothing else comes through. He is there, and he will rise to the occasion. Hallelujah. There is a steady, steadier than you. There is a steady steadier than you'll ever be able to be and it is Jesus Christ last thing the storm did was it made them reassess who Jesus was and when you go through a storm it'll make you reassess who Jesus is to you if he's just a nice little name to slap onto your life if he's just a nice name to throw around at coffee conversations but not remembered during the week Monday through Saturday or if he is there with you in the good time and the bad. It made them reassess what manner of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey his will. What manner of man was this? Let me tell you what manner it was. He is the steady in the storm. Hallelujah. When I'm not steady, when you're not steady, he is always steady. He has never failed. He has never lost. There's never been a storm he encountered that he could not steal, and he's not going to start on you. Hallelujah. He's not going to start on me. He is still the steady in the storm. Somebody give him a hand clap of praise tonight if you're thankful that he's steady for you. When you become unsteady, when I become unsteady, he steps in and he is the steady. When the storm is about to overwhelm you, he rises up and he speaks peace be still. When you're stressed, when you're sad, when you're depressed, when you're worried, when you're anxious, when you're anything unable to be steady, Jesus steps up and he says, I'll be your steady. I'll be your safe place. I'm reminded of Psalms 23. It says the Lord, number 91, that says, I will save the Lord. He is my refuge, my strength, my God. In him will I trust. He is the steady in the midst of the storm. Stand on your feet with me. He steadies the storm. And the Bible says in verse 26 that they make it to the other side. What a shouting time, right? When your foot drops out of that boat that you thought was going to be capsized, onto the ground, and you know I've made it. I remember, Dennis, that, Pastor Dennis, that story I tell about being sick in Peru, and I remember how I felt when I walked off the tarmac in Atlanta, thankful to be back on American soil. I had crossed over. I had made it. I had come out of the valley of the shadow of death, quite literally. I had come across it. I had made it. They had made it. Let me tell you something good tonight. You're going to make it. Let me build your faith. You're going to make it.
This trial is not going to break you. This storm is not going to overtake you. Even if you survive it, then just survive it at all costs. You're going to make it. But guess what happens next? They step out of the sea onto the shore of Gennesaret, Gadarenes, different translations say it different ways. And they go from storms to demons. They step out of a storm and they enter a graveyard where a man possessed by thousands of devils named Legion is there cutting himself with the tombstones day and night. Here's what I've learned. That you may graduate one test, but it's only because there's a bigger test coming. You might graduate one storm, but it's only because there's a storm of demons that you're fixing to encounter. We read through these stories of the Bible, and we don't really put them to life, but you got to understand, before Jesus, nobody had really ever cast out a devil. Look through the Old Testament. I did it this week. I, I was, that thought popped in my head. Were there any demons cast out in the Old Testament? So I researched. And hardly ever, I don't think I found even one occasion where one single person cast out a demon in the Old Testament. It didn't happen before Jesus. Jesus comes on the scene and he is the one able to cast out demons. So imagine the disciples there. They've heard the story of this guy in the Gadarenes and they're approaching. They, they know what's fixing to happen. They're fixing to encounter this depraved madman. So they're hiding behind Jesus, maybe right. You go first. You go ahead. But the same steadier of the storm is the same dispeller of demons. I said the same steadier of the storm is the same dispeller of demons. The God that steadied that storm for you will cause the devil, the scripture says, to flee seven ways. He is that kind of God. So they get there. Watch him show up again. They go to another area. Watch him show up again. They go through another season of testing. Watch him show up steady time after time after time. And when I came tonight to encourage somebody that might be in a storm, fixing to go into a storm or coming out of a storm, and maybe you're headed to that area of demons, that you're there, you're tired. You're not ready for another battle. You're there, you're tired. You're not ready for another storm. Your life has already been through so much already. You're not ready. You don't know if you you can be steady in the storm. Let me encourage you, even if you can't, He can. Even if you're not able, He is. Even if you don't have the strength, He does. Even if you don't have the wherewithal to get out of the bed in the morning, He will help you. He is able to do it. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's pray together tonight. Holy Spirit, we come before your presence tonight. God, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that your word is spirit and that your word is life. Thank you, God, that we draw example, testimony, victory, deliverance, power, strength, perspective, sight from the word of God. Lord, I know that doubtlessly there are people in this room already tired and a storm has blown up and it seems like the master of the tempest is sleeping and the raging sea is a 
about to overtake them. Lord, I pray for encouragement for them tonight. I pray that you would draw them to a place of faith and a place of understanding that you are the steady in the storm, that you'll see them through. You'll see them out time after time after time. Let your power be made known in their lives, oh God. And when we call you, answer for us, oh Lord. When we call out to you, know that you're going to answer us. Jeremiah 33 and 3, that when we call to you, you will show up and you will show out, oh God. Do that for somebody tonight. In Jesus' name. Come on, and every head bowed, every eye closed. You say, Pastor Odom, I'm here, and I've been in a storm. I've been in a storm. Maybe it's a small one. Maybe it's a minimal one. Maybe it's big one. It doesn't really matter the size. It just matters that you're in it. And I need to call out to that steadier of the storm. This is there. I need faith tonight. I need strength. If that's you, will you lift your hand up? Come on, anybody in the room. I see hands going up. If you're in the middle of that storm, come on, tell him. Cry out to him. Jesus, I'm in the storm tonight. I'm in the storm tonight. Hallelujah. Here's what I want you to do. If you're in the middle of a storm, Pastor Dennis is here. Sister Jane me, other brothers and sisters, step out of the aisle, come to this altar, and begin to cry out to Jesus. He's here tonight, and he wants to help you. He wants to steady that storm for you. He wants to be the steady in your storm tonight. As they sing whatever they're going to sing, take your opportunity and just call out to him tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Find out more about us. Follow us on social media at StarkvilleCOG. Special thanks to those who generously support this ministry. If you would like to give, visit us at StarkvilleCOG.com forward slash give. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.